Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Edward Bonson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Cell Biology and Physiology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Recently, Dr. Bonson joined us to talk about his lab's development and validation of a methodological approach using light sheet fluorescence microscopy for the imaging of preclinical models of vascular injury with a focus on minimizing analysis bias while increasing precision and reproducibility. Let's get right into it. First question, have you examined animals with smooth muscle-specific nerf 2 knockout? Looks like the drug treatment and the knockout rat were uh, was a global knockout. Yeah, that is a great question. And unfortunately, we do not have access. There, there's no uh, rat uh, available that is uh, smooth muscle-specific knockout. So we only have access to um, a global knockout. But, you know, that is a question that we do have in mind, but we cannot answer right now, unfortunately. Fantastic. All right, next question here. This one was about flow and resistance for the compensatory, here, we'll go back to the slide here. That should appear, yeah, with the compensatory remodeling. Did you look at uh, flow and resistance? Was there any change in flow and resistance? That's a great question as well. We did not look uh, at parameters in vivo, so um, we do not know that. But it's, uh, of course, changes in flow is going to drive remodeling for sure. Fantastic. All right, next question here. Do you foresee uh, cinematic aldehyde being applied to atherosclerotic vessels in future applications to reduce reactive oxygen species and growth of the atherosclerotic plaques? So cinnamic aldehyde for us was a modeled molecule that we do not foresee has a very um, a bright future in translation because as somebody else pointed out in the Q&A panel, we have to use 100 micromolar to induce NERF2. In the lab now, we are exploring um, for atherosclerosis, atherosclerosis treatment a nanomolar activator of NERF2, uh, CDDO methyl or bardoxolone methyl, which is a nanomolar activator. And also uh, it's actually undergoing, it's undergoing clinical trials for different applications. So there is a future for human use of this drug and we are actually uh, encapsulating this drug in nanoparticles that we target to atherosclerotic plaque. We have evidence that uh, with this treatment with CDDO methyl, we can activate NERF2 in atherosclerotic arch, uh, in the arch of atherosclerotic animals. And uh, we are uh, at the moment performing in the middle of a study to see if there is inhibition of plaque progression or not. Uh, I have to answer. point out something yeah. else um, regarding this question. The literature is a little bit controversial about the role of NERF2 in atherosclerosis. There are some evidence of proatherogenic role of NERF2 activation in late-stage late atherosclerosis. But every, st that is with global knockouts, with every study that has used an activator that actually pushes the NERF2 activation that's already there to more, all those studies have shown anti-atherosclerotic effects of NERF2 activators. Great answer. All right. So yeah, going back to that question that you mentioned before, the question was, uh, so you, you use 100 micromolar, uh, which is rather high. Why do you use so much? Does this cause issues? Well, so we use that much because we tested 
what concentration was actually capable of inhibiting uh, vascular smooth muscle cell migration and proliferation in vitro. And, um, you know, we did an MTT first and then uh, scratch wound assays, and, and we needed 100 micromolar to activate NERF2 and have a biological effect. That is why we use that much. That being said, you know, we use, we applied 100 microliters of 100 micromolar CA periadventitially. Uh, there's no systemic side effect because we do localized application. This is, we're not injecting a solution into the animal. We apply this in a gel that acts as a depot for the drug on top of the artery that's been uh, injured. But, but yes, as, as I mentioned before, we, um, we started this study to actually prove that NERF2 activation could be a therapeutic target. Now we are moving on to better activators that target this pathway better with a more promising translational future. Great answer. All right, next question here about the technology. How small of a vessel were you able to image in 3D? Did you try any peripheral vessels? So that's, that's a great question too. You see my mouse hovering. So these are I do, yeah. capillaries in a in um, in a neovascularization, and this is angiogenesis in a mouse. So you see these capillaries are tiny, 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 tiny. Um, we are hoping to image a mouse leg next month in August to see actual um, collateral circulation in mouse, but. I hope that this image here is very clear that we can see capillaries clearly stained with CD31, no problem. I'm gonna stop share. So I am gonna answer uh, this NOX1 question. Jacob uh, asked, says that I mentioned NOX1. On the other hand, NOX4 has been shown to be necessary for exercise-mediated improvements in obesity-induced vascular dysfunction. Would you expect indiscriminate quenching of ROS through NERF2 activation in a therapeutic context? possibly leading to unintended vascular complications. So this is a very, very important question. Things that indiscriminate use of antioxidants, my, my philosophy to um, addressing antioxidant therapy precisely thinks about these issues. We don't believe that global activation of or, or global scavenging of reactive oxygen species uh, is the way to go. In order to do that, uh, there's, there's three things that we are doing to address that. These studies that I showed you that are proof of concept are with local application to not have global activation of NERF2. Uh, so this is, I am not affecting the vasculature in the legs. I'm not affecting the vasculature that has not been injured because I am putting the activator at the site of angioplasty. However, that is not really a translational approach because most of these procedures in the clinic are percutaneous. That is, you get the catheter, for instance, inserted through the leg and then you do an angioplasty in the coronary. So you don't have the artery exposed in open surgery to apply a medication, a depot, a gel locally. So what we do in the lab is uh, targeted delivery of activators of NERF2 using nanocarriers, and we developed these particles called ARAPAs. There's one of the papers that describe our first iteration of ARAPAs. We're working on a second and third generation now. ARAPA stands for antioxidant response activating nanoparticles. So we uh, are aiming to preferentially accumulate the NERF2 activator at the site of uh, arterial inflammation, arterial injury to not globally influence the redox 
status of the whole vascular system. And the third thing is um, is the the role of of NERF two itself. This is not going to be a global scavenger that um, distributes in the cell. You know, this different cells will activate the the antioxidant response differently, and different enzymes are going to be targeted to different compartments. So we have to, of course, assess the potential problem uh, with changing and modifying the physiological role of, of redox signaling. But for instance, in, in our models, catalase was not influenced. So hydrogen peroxide, that would be the main reactive species produced by NOx4, could potentially not be affected, even though we did have a, a, a change in peroxyredoxin. So I guess that the bottom line is the effect on, NERF, on NOx4-mediated signaling remains to be studied. However, the fact that we are activating uh, NERF2 locally to the site of interest puts my mind at ease that it's not going to be a global effect on, on signaling where it's, it's needed and, and physiological. I hope that, Jacob, that uh, answers your question more or less. Fantastic. Can this method be used for uh, small vessels, for example, in the brain? That has a very quick answer, yes. So we... Uh, <laughs> uh, we can uh, address the next one. There's a, there's vasculature in the brain with the LSFM. There's a lot of literature out there. So did you try to conduct an in vivo subchronic treatment versus post-injury treatment? So I, I think this is a very important question when we think of translation. Where, where and when is the most important time point to decide to treat? All the evidence that I've collected, starting as a postdoc and then in my own lab, tells me that the best time of intervention is the hyperacute phase after injury. And we actually, right now, crossing fingers, we um, submitted an R01 proposal to study exactly that, if actually subchronic pre-injury will work anyway, and up to how many days post-injury we will see an effect. So um, a detailed timeline of when treatment would be most effective, I think is paramount for a feasible translation to the clinic because we need to know when uh, patients are going to be prone to respond to treatment better. So thank you very much for that question, Frederick. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.